not a fan of using the hold them. I like to move my hands around, so now everybody's fervently praying. It is hot in here. Lord, have mercy. Have, light, have, have the mic go off <laughs> so we can go home. Joshua 21 tonight, and those of you who preach, there's times when you put together a message, and then through the song service, you're wondering, did I make a mistake? The last verse of this, this chapter, it's, it says, I'll, I'll, I'll read it, and you can tell me if I made a mistake or not, but hopefully the Lord will still bless the message. It says, there failed not aught of any good thing which the Lord had spoken unto the house of Israel, all came to pass. And that's what he's saying about tonight, isn't it? God is faithful. Everything that God has promised, God will do. But instead, we're going to preach about the 48 Levitical cities tonight. So... Hopefully it'll be a, a help to you. Uh, but the book of Joshua itself, I, it, it's been great going through the book of Joshua chapter by chapter. Uh, I said this the last time I, um, last time it was my turn through Joshua. But this, the, the, the book of Joshua is a record of God's faithfulness to his covenant people. Aren't you thankful for God's faithfulness to Israel? Aren't you thankful for God's faithfulness to you tonight? It underscores the need of the believer to be obedient if he would appropriate all that God has designed for him. Uh, as we've gone through, we've seen that there wasn't a promise of God that failed. God was faithful. It was the children of Israel who often were not faithful. And, and as you read through all of it, it was as if God said, hey, you can have all of this. And the children of Israel said, okay, we'll take this. They could have had so much more. God had promised them so much more. He was faithful to give them what he had promised, but they weren't faithful to take all that he had promised to them. Uh, and from the more well-known passages and the exciting moments like the crossing of Jordan, the battle of Jericho, the lesser-known moments like the, the alliance with the Gibeonites and the seemingly mundane moments of the lists and the divisions of the land and the Levitical cities that we'll see tonight. But throughout, it's a testimony to the might and the grace of a sovereign and holy God. So in Joshua 21, we're going to read the first three verses, then we'll read the last uh, three verses as well. It says this, Then came the heads of the fathers of the Levites unto Eleazar the priest, and unto Joshua the son of Nun, and unto the heads of the fathers of the tribes of the children of Israel. They spake unto them at Shiloh in the land of Canaan, saying, The Lord commanded by the hand of Moses to give us cities to dwell in, with the suburbs thereof for our cattle. And the children of Israel gave unto the Levites out of their inheritance at the commandment of the Lord these cities and their suburbs. And then look at the last three verses, verse 43. And the Lord gave unto Israel all the land which he sware to give them unto their fathers. And they possessed it and dwelt therein. And the Lord gave them rest round about, according to all that he sware unto their fathers. And there stood not a man of all their enemies before them. And the Lord delivered all their enemies into their hand. There failed not aught of any good thing which the Lord had spoken unto the house of Israel. All came to pass. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your faithfulness. Lord, thank you that your promises do not fail. 
Lord, there's times where we go through difficulties. There's times we go through suffering and trials and tribulations. And and at times we doubt your faithfulness. And we can't see uh, what you're doing in our lives. But we're so thankful that we can stand on the promises of God, that you are faithful. You've never failed us in the past. You won't fail us today. And you're not going to fail us in the future. Lord, I pray you'd help us as we examine your word. I pray that it would be a challenge to us. I pray you'd speak to us. I pray your name would be lifted up, and I pray you'd draw us closer to you. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. Who here has ever, I'm sure there's nobody, but who here has ever been the last person picked on a team? You remember that school? You, don't have, you didn't have to raise your hand. I'm, I, I should have prefaced it with that. Don't raise your hand, but not, now we know if we split up into a sporting event, we know who not to pick. You saw uh, but you've, you've no doubt seen it or experienced it. Uh, everyone splits up in the teams. Everyone's excited to play, and there's a couple of kids that are picking everybody, and then we're all ready to play, and then seemingly two or three kids pop out of nowhere and say, what about us? And then the captains roll their eyes and say, not these kids. These are the nerdy kids. These are the kids that uh, d- don't know the uh, first base from home plate and uh, couldn't swing the bat and hit the ball with a life dependent on it. And one of the captains will shout out and say, hey, you can take all of them. Just, just take them all. And they'll fight about it. Eventually, they'll get split up, and it's those nerdy kids, those rejected kids that win the game and win the day, and they're the heroes. It's not usually that way. Um, and it's, this is not a personal story. And I apologize if I brought up some childhood trauma for you. But that's kind of, it just reminded me of the beginning of the chapter here. They're done splitting up the land from chapter 14 to chapter 19. We saw the very exciting passages of this person that got this land, this person got that land, and on and on and on for uh, six chapters there. And then in chapter 20, we saw the establishing of the, the six cities of refuge. Now in the beginning of chapter 21, it's as if the Levites come up and say, hey, what about us? We were promised some land, and we, we've not received it yet. Uh, and so it's not exactly the way that it happened, but they come to Joshua and come to Eliezer, and they come to the heads of the uh, children of Israel and say, don't you remember? He said, the Lord commanded, in verse 2, by the hand of Moses to give us cities to dwell in with the suburbs thereof for our cattle. In Numbers 35, we're not going to turn there, but in Numbers 35, verses 1 through 8, Moses gives instruction, God gives Moses instruction for the number of cities for the Levites, the size of the cities, the location of the cities, uh, where they were to come from, from each tribe's inheritance, and the inclusion of the six cities of refuge. But before we look into this, we're, we're, we're actually not going to look into each city, so don't worry, we're not going to look at all of them. We're just going to, very general, see this special purpose that these special group of people had and the application uh, that we can see in our own lives. But before we do, let's take a step back. Who are the Levites? And what do they do? Uh, A long time ago in a land far, far away, uh, God promised Abraham a great nation. Uh, I saw Matt shaking his head, and I saw Nick nodding his head. I got some. Um, He he, he promised Abraham, I'll make a great nation of you. Jacob, his grandson, had 12 sons. We see this nation beginning to form. Jacob's family especially was a very dysfunctional mess. Um, I don't know if you had a, I, I, I can't say much about my family because I've got, my mom is here, my kids are here, my wife is here, so I, my family, we, we had no dysfunction at all. I had three brothers, we always got along, everything was perfect. Uh, but you, 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 <laughs> you understand the dysfunction that happens in families, but th- there's, there really, there's no family. You say my, my family is dysfunctional. 
look at Jacob and his family, and, and you'll be thankful for whatever dysfunction you may have in your family. One such instance of utter dysfunctional chaos is found in Genesis 34. If you want to turn over there, you can follow along. We're going to read some of the verses there, but I, it's important that we understand who the Levites are, where they came from, and it really helps make, I think, a powerful connection to who we are and the plan that God has for us. In Genesis 34, the Bible says there was a man named Shechem. He was a Canaanite. In verse 2, it says he takes Dinah, who's Jacob's daughter, lays with her, defiles her, is exactly what it says. And Shechem's family comes to Jacob and basically says this, hey, we shouldn't have done this, but let's make things right. And my son really loves your daughter, and we want them to get married, and we'll be a great, big, happy family. And uh, there's some awkward moments and awkward pauses. Jacob seems to kind of be silent, and the sons of Jacob basically pipe up, and they say, hey, we can't let our sister marry an uncircumcised man. And verse 15 says, if, if you'll consent, if in this we will consent unto you, if you be as we are, uh, that every male be circumcised, then we will give your daughter, our daughters unto you, and we'll take your daughters unto us, and we'll dwell with you, and we'll become one people. But if you will not hearken unto us, he said, then we'll take our daughter, and we'll be gone. He said, we'll take our ball and go home. He said, here's, here, here's our sister. If you want her, here's the rules. The men agreed. Uh, and the deed is done, and it came to pass on the third day when the men were sore that two of the sons of Jacob, Simeon and Levi, Dinah's brethren, took each man his sword and came upon the city boldly and slew all the males. And they slew Hamor and Shechem his son with the edge of the sword and took Dinah out of Shechem's house and went out. And then in verse 30, Jacob said to Simeon and Levi, ye have troubled me to make me a stink uh, to make me to stink among the inhabitants of the land, among the Canaanites and the Perizzites. And I being few in number, they shall gather themselves together against me, slay me, and I shall be destroyed, I and my house. We know that that didn't happen, but Jacob was upset with Simeon and Levi and said, hey, you shouldn't have done that. It was wrong what they did, but you took that too far. Fast forward many years, Jacob's about to die, and he's giving his last words to his children. In Genesis 49 and uh, verse number 5, he speaks specifically, he, he's going through all of his children, blessing them and saying, here's what God's going to do. Here's my blessing to you. But when he comes to Simeon and Levi, he says, Simeon and Levi are brethren. Instruments of cruelty are they in their habitations. O my soul, come not thou into their secret, unto their assembly, mine honor, be not thou united. For in their anger they slew a man, and their self-will they dig down a wall. Cursed be their anger, for it was fierce, and their wrath, for it was cruel. I will divide them in Jacob and scatter them in Israel. So because of their sin, Jacob declares, when the time comes for our people to be in Canaan, you're going to be divided among the people. You, you, because of what you've done, uh, you will have no inheritance rights in Canaan. Simeon was so small, as, as, as we'd seen earlier, they, they were scattered among Judah. And as history would tell, they eventually, for all intents and purposes, they were really kind of absorbed into the tribe of Judah and basically disappeared. Levi, however, here's where we see God's grace. Simeon and Levi did something so awful, so terrible, so despicable, that their father cursed them and said, you're going to have no inheritance among our people. But then it was the Levites that God declared, 
They would have no inheritance of land, but God would be their inheritance. The Levites were cast aside, but God in his grace, in his mercy, chooses these people, restores their honor uh, to this once cursed son of Jacob. John Calvin wrote this. He said, incredible goodness unexpectedly shone forth when that which was the punishment of Levi became changed into the reward of the priesthood. Deuteronomy 10 says this, And at the time the Lord separated the tribe of Levi to bear the ark of the covenant, to stand before the Lord, to minister unto him, and a blessing in his name unto this day. Wherefore, Levi hath no part nor inheritance with his brethren. The Lord is his inheritance, according as the Lord thy God promised him. And just like Levi, we too uh, were born under the curse of sin. But God in his goodness loved us so much that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace are ye saved. And hath raised us up together and hath made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For we are his workmanship. Uh, that we might uh, create in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Now therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. Verse 21 of Ephesians 2 says, In whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple unto the Lord. Uh, go over to 1 Peter chapter 2. and First uh, Peter chapter 2, uh, Peter is speaking to us, speaking about us, and, and what Christ has done for us. In verse number 5, the Bible says, Ye also, as lively stones, are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. And a verse I'm sure we're all familiar with. But ye are a chosen generation a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. So all of that groundwork to get us to this main thought tonight. We believe in the priesthood of the believers. Each of us has the same access to God. There was a time where if you wanted to uh, get to God, you had to go through these priests, this family, the Levites, uh, and, and, and the priest, the high priest. But because of the finished work of Jesus on the cross, he calls each of us to be his scattered servants with the special purpose of representing, uh, representing him where he's placed us. So tonight I want you to see four things from this passage about the Levites and their 48 cities and the application that we see in ourselves as the royal priesthood that's been called out of darkness into God's marvelous light. In the beginning of the chapter, I want you to notice this. Notice their position, their position. As we've gone through Joshua, we saw Judah was the first to receive land, and uh, tribe by tribe, they received land, and uh, Joshua was one of the last to receive his, his inheritance. And then we come to chapter 21. At the very end, once all the land has been distributed, the Levites say, God promised that we would have some towns. We understand we don't have an inheritance. God is our inheritance, but we were promised, we were told that we'd have places to live. But it's fitting 
that the Levites were given their place of residence in the promised land last because they were simply servants of God. And servants don't go first. Servants don't require to go first. They served God in the tabernacle. Their job was important, but at the end of the day, they were simply servants. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 20, but Jesus called unto him, speaking to his disciples, and said, Ye know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them, and they that are great exercise authority upon them. But here's what he says, But it shall not be so among you. But whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. And whosoever shall be chief among you, let him be your servant. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Naturally, we don't like to be last. When um, last, last Sunday, when we prayed and said, let's eat, there was a, it wasn't really that bad. Uh, but we like to be first. We like to be the first one in line for food, right? Especially when we're kids. There's, there's this fight among kids. I'm going to be first, me first. It's just, it's just natural. We don't like going last. We want to go first. We want to be the first to know. We want to get the best, and we want to be the best. But in our race to the top, Jesus reminds us that in his kingdom, as his royal priesthood, the first shall be last, the servant will be the leader. So we see their position. They were just simply servants. But notice their purpose. We don't have time to get into all of it, but if you go to Numbers chapter 4, God gives Moses the duties for each of the four Levitical families. Uh, so basically, um, the, 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 the Levitical families were, there was the sons of Aaron who were of the, the house of Kohath, uh, Levi had three sons, Kohath, Gershon, and Merar. Great names if you're pregnant today. Great names to consider for your children. Those are the three sons of Levi. So we had the, the Kohathites, the Gershonites, and the Merarites. And then we had the sons of Aaron. The sons of Aaron were the ones who carried out the work of the tabernacle. They were the ones who did the sacrifices. They were the ones where the high priest would come from and would, would, would do the great day of atonement and, and the different stations, the altar of incense and the table of showbread and the candlestick and all those stations and furniture that was in the tabernacle and the temple. The Kohathites were responsible for caring for the core c components of the tabernacle, those things that I just mentioned, the, the ark. and the, They did not work on them. They were not to touch them, but they made sure that they were covered. They made sure that they were taken care of and transported uh, as they traveled. The Gershonites were responsible for caring for the outer coverings. The tabernacle was basically just a tent, and the Gershonites were responsible for making sure that the tent itself was in good condition, that it looked good, that it was taken care of and attended to. And the, Murar the Murarites were responsible for kind of the construction of the tabernacle, the beams, the boards, the pillars, the sockets. Working together, the work and the worship in and around the tabernacle, uh, the, the, the tabernacle served as a beacon of hope and light to all the children of Israel. How does that apply to us? We are a royal priesthood. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 says this, What? Know ye not? that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God and you're not your own, for you're bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. The Levites took careful attention to the tabernacle to make sure it appeared the way that it ought, it was functioning the way that it ought to, and that the work, the worship, the sacrifice was taking place. So my question to you, to us, 
uh, is we are called to be the light of the world. Uh, We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We're that royal priesthood called to maintain the purity and the sanctity of our spiritual lives. We should ensure that our hearts and our minds are consecrated to God, reflecting his holiness and his righteousness. Our external lives should match the inner transformation brought about by our relationship with God. People ought to be able to, be able to look at us and, and say, hey, there's something different about him. He's a peculiar people. And sometimes we take that too far and we can be just, that's, that doesn't mean you're a weird person. Uh, but it's okay if you are. Um, but he's, he, there ought to be something different about us. Our external ought to match what Christ has done in us from the inside out, not the outside working its way in. So we see their position. They were servants. We see their purpose. It was to work in the tabernacle. It was to work in the temple. And then we see their place. In the rest of the passage, we're not going to read through the entire thing. It's, it's simply this person gave this, pers- uh, this city and that city. And uh, if you'd like to read through it tonight, it is very gripping. Um, <laughs> it's very important for sure. Um, I, I feel like that was probably not, not a good thing to say, the way that I said it. I don't know. Um, but for sake of time, we're not going to read through all of it. But, 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 but here's the, the message behind it. God had a specific plan for where he was putting these people. And if you were to map it out, or if you were to Google the map, and you could just see it real quickly, um, you would see that the Levites were literally scattered among all the children of Israel. And the Levites were the spiritual leaders. They were Jehovah's salt and light to the rest of the nation. Instead of giving them one large priestly city where they would all, they just had this compound of the Levites. I know sometimes we want to live that way, don't we? It would be great to just, let's just have a Christian compound and we'll just stay away from the world. But that's not what God intended for us. God puts you where he puts you to be salt and light. God placed you where he's placed you to make a difference, to be a spiritual leader, to make a difference in your family, among your friends, among your coworkers, among strangers. That's what the Levites and their towns represented and offered to the rest of the nation. The Levites, they were, they, they were, their, their towns represented, they were grace givers. You think about the, the, um, the cities of refuge. They were all in Levitical cities. So someone in a trouble for manslaughter specifically could run to a city of refuge and they'd be running into a safe haven of the Levites. They were, the, they were gospel teachers. They were the primary teachers of the word of God. They were glory makers. They conducted and led worship in the tabernacle. They were the go-betweens. Uh, their ministry was to literally go between God and his people. So may we as priests of God be grace givers. May we be gospel teachers, glory makers, and go-betweeners, if that's a word, praying for people around us. We understand there's one God, there's one mediator between God and man, uh, but God has called each of us to as well be that go, but to, to pray for our family, to pray for the world, to pray for the lost, impacting those that are near to God and those who are far from God and need of the hope of the gospel. Matthew chapter 5 says, ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt hath lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is henceforth good for nothing, but to be cast out, to be trodden under foot of men. You're the light of the world. A, a city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. And the last tonight, and all the handkerchiefs said amen. Um, their prize, their prize. 
we, I, I, I already mentioned it earlier, but Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 9, the Bible says, Wherefore, Levi hath no part nor inheritance with his brethren. Lord is his inheritance, according as the Lord thy God promised him. The promised land was described as being a beautiful place, a land flowing with milk and honey. For the Levites, they didn't share in that inheritance. Their inheritance was not land. Their inheritance was the Lord. Ephesians chapter 2 says this, and he hath raised us up together, read, read a couple of these verses, and made us sit together in heavenly places, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Ephesians 1.3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Ephesians chapter 3, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height, and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Just like the Levites, we're scattered among the world. We are in this world, but we're not of this world. The things of this earth are not our prize. They're not our inheritance. We're not promised the wealth of this world. It's not to mean the Levites did not enjoy the blessings of the land, but that was not their purpose. It's not to mean that we cannot and will not enjoy the blessings of this world, but that's not our inheritance. That's not our prize. The Lord is. His riches. Uh, we share in far greater riches and blessings than anything that this world has to offer. Everything this world has to offer is temporary. The riches that we have in Christ are eternal. And as that royal priesthood, that's our inheritance. That's our portion. That's our prize. That's our reward. Whatever synonym you want to use for it, that's what we have in Christ. So tonight, I want to challenge you to remember, Matt, you can come, your position as a servant. Your purpose is to glorify God with your body. May our thoughts, may our actions, may everything that we do glorify God. Your place is right where God has you. May we each be salt and light to our friends, to our family, to our coworkers, and strangers that God puts on our path. We may be the only gospel message they receive. Your prize, not the things found in this world, but rather the riches and the blessings found in Christ. May we enjoy them and may we bless others with them. I'll read that last verse again. I know it's, it, it seemed like this, that was the theme of the, the song service for sure, but as we've now come to, we're, we're, we're nearing the end of Joshua. We've come to where all of the children of Israel have received their place of home. And we've seen God's grace and we've seen God's sovereignty and we've seen God's mercy and it's just bears repeating, there failed not aught of any good thing which the Lord had spoken under the house of Israel all came to pass. 
We are a scattered people with a special purpose. I don't know about you, I wanna live that out. I wanna make a difference. Where God has me, wherever God may lead each of us in the future, whatever God has for us in this place, just make a difference. Heads about and eyes closed. And